Hey, Lovebird, it's me, Stephanie, CEO of The Good Love Company and leading relationship expert. You're about to start transforming your love life from the inside out with the So Good podcast. I've been widely considered the leader in the love coaching space and have worked with super achievers all around the world for over six years. Here, you're not gonna find cheesy dating tips or fluffy nonsense, no manipulative tactics either, because my work is about understanding behavior, identity, and motivation. Pair that with energetic work, somatic healing, and ooh, your love life is about to get so good. These talks are designed to inspire, provoke, and guide you on your journey home to take you and your love life to heights you've never thought possible. If you're wanting more from your relationships, better connection, hotter sex, self-love tips, and emotional mastery, then stick around. It's about to get so good. I'm glad you're here. Hello, lovebird. Welcome back to another episode of So Good. I am happy to have you. I got to say the feedback from the first seven episodes of this season have been nothing short of remarkable. I want to say thank you so much for all the love and support, the reviews. They help me. They help you. It's a win-win. So today I want to talk about red flags because it is summertime. It's hot girl summer. Dating is in full effect. Relationships are blooming. It's hot. It's sexy. It's, it's time for love. I don't know about you, but ever since I was a little girl, the idea of having this like super juicy summer romance was just always what I, I just wanted it so bad. And now as a love educator, being able to help my clients get summer prepped is one of my favorite things ever. So I was like, more than ever, people are just so excited to live again. Like we are, we are over COVID, we are over lockdown, we are ready to go out, shake our shit, have a good time. So let's talk about hot girl summer and dating. <laughs> We're gonna start with red flags because I think that we hear so much about your traditional red flags and we hear so much about, you know, things to avoid in these obvious scenarios. But I think a lot of the time, we, we don't see certain things as red flags that are usually very evident from the beginning that tend to manifest as red flags when we're kind of in it. Have you ever been with someone where six months in, you're starting to notice these patterns and behaviors that you're like, whoa, like, I, ew, like I'm not really comfortable with that. If you were to examine your relationship, there's usually clues and indicators from the start that this type of behavior, energy, or thing that irks you was present from the get-go. So I want to talk today not just about what red flags are, obviously, it's pretty self-explanatory, but why we, we miss them or why we overlook them. And I'm going to give you three of the red flags that I warn my private clients about every time. So in dating culture, we talk about red flags as your symbolic indicator of character traits, behaviors, energies that are a no-go. There are red flags across the board that I think we can all say with certainty that we could recognize. So abusive, controlling, um, mean-spirited. We've seen these before. The classic, like, rude to the waitress. A lot of those are very obvious and a lot of those are easy to spot. But I think it's worth noting that so many red flags can kind of hide under the radar 
especially in the beginning. The reason for this is that when we start connecting with someone, we're usually on our best behavior. When we start dating and talking, it's usually fun and the good stuff and pleasurable and a really great couple hours. So it's a snapshot into another person's life. So you're not seeing you know, the attitude at Starbucks to the barista. You're not seeing um, potential messiness in their personal life. You're not seeing all, all the little things that come out as we get to know people. So oftentimes in the beginning of dating, we are presenting ourselves as what we want the other person to see us at. It's the same as women spending hours getting ready and we're, we want to look our best. We want to sound sophisticated. We want, we want them to like us. It's, it's a societal thing. It's, it's wired in us. So it's only natural that in the beginning, it's all rose-colored glasses and everything is great. Unless, of course, it's one of those obvious red flags that I mentioned earlier but it's the sneaky deekies that tend to creep up on us. And so I wanna talk to you about things that you can spot in the beginning that are indicators of potential red flags down the line so that you do not end up getting in too deep with someone who may not be the best for you. The first red flag that I want to mention is something that I've personally witnessed that has made me uncomfortable in my life. And something that I tend to not forget about people, and that is road rage. It's really interesting because as a relationship coach and educator, a lot of what I do and and have done all my life is study behavior and, and watch people and really understand the motivation and the choice. And when it comes to road rage, there's something so narcissistic about it. There's something so... Um, frightening about it because at the end of the day, and I'm, I'm not talking about your every now and then honk or there's someone up your ass on the highway and you flip them off. Like people have moments, right? We, we, we've all honked and, and flipped someone off before. I'm talking about the guy that speeds up, cuts off people, yells in people's faces, follows them, you know, the aggressive driver guy, that to me is really indicative of emotional irregulation. The reason why road rage is such an indicator of a, of a red flag is that it requires a skill set to learn to tolerate something you don't like, process it, and move through it. So when, when we're driving on the road and somebody cuts us off, we will have a body response of anger. We'll be like, ugh. Healthy, regulated people tend to brush that off quickly. They'll be annoyed, miffed, whatever, but we tend to move forward by the next set of lights. We're over it. We've, we've moved on. People that have emotional regulation issues have a very hard time not only letting go of trigger stimuli, but they get really hot really quick. They go from zero to a hundred. So if you've ever been in a car with an angry guy and you felt your heart start to race a bit, 
don't don't think you were overreacting. That's a biological response because it's not inherently natural to react so aggressively when the stimuli you're reacting to is not in proportion. So for example, if you were to witness a tragic event, it would be completely proportionate to respond in hysterics. It would make sense if you were uncontrollably upset. But if you were to have, let's say for example, someone bump into you accidentally on the sidewalk and you reacted as if you witnessed a tragic event, that would be disproportionate. That would signal emotional dysregulation. It would indicate that there is an inability to understand stimuli and handle personal stress. So imagine translating that into a romantic relationship. I don't want the guy who can't regulate himself. And sure, there are obviously circumstances where there are men dealing with trauma and healing. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the guy who, who spazzes out and freaks out. I don't want that. And you shouldn't either. Because a grown man needs to be able to hold his own and stay in his masculine core and hold you down and ground you in, in sovereignty. So you can't do that when you are a man who flies into a rage when someone doesn't signal. And we as women, if, if you've ever sat in the car with an angry guy and part of you wanted to go, oh my God, like this guy, ugh. Imagine what he's going to do to you two years in when you piss him off. We're so quick to ignore things that instinctively activate us. If we notice something that someone does and we, we have a, an emotional reaction to it or we're curious about it or it's a, huh, interesting, we got to listen to that. It's, it's a tell. It's completely indicative of that intuitive magic that you have to be able to start sensing danger. That's why we have it. So if you, if you start dating someone and it's been a month and he's picking you up to go to the new patio and all of a sudden he's getting really hot behind the wheel and getting crazy and, and yelling and honking, do you really think that that is the type of person who's going to handle mature adult conscious conversations? Do you think that's the kind of man that's going to handle feedback or handle you holding your own? I, I don't think so. And I've seen it time and time again, because when men have rage that is simmering just underneath the surface, anything sets them off. So the road rage guy is just an example, which is really what we're diving into in terms of the red flag is, is the angry guy, the raging guy. That needs to be dealt with and that's not your work to do. I want to be very clear that again, when we start talking about red flags, these are indicators. So I'm not suggesting that if you get into a car with someone and he gets cut off and loses it, that he has major issues and he's a rageful person. I'm just saying pay attention. It's something to look at. We need to not ignore it because people be who people be. 
And a lot of the times, really ragey, aggressive men statistically meet the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder, a lot of behavioral issues. Why do you want to deal with that, right? It's just something that I would consider a huge red flag to pay attention to. So we did one red flag number two. This one is, there's a bit of context to it, but for all intents and purposes, red flag number two is the guy who talks shit about his ex. So I want to make it very clear. There's a difference between not liking your ex, having a shitty ex, having an ex that like fucks you for a long time and not being fond of them. But I'm talking about the guy who, you know, calls his ex the crazy bitch. The guy who is still talking about how shitty the relationship was. The guy who badmouths his baby mama. The guy who has nothing good to say. And like, this is, for me, what I warn clients about. So some of you may not agree, and that's totally fine, but it really says a lot about somebody based on how they talk about people that were once important to them. Again, when you're looking for a long-term, committed, healthy, happy, hot, sexy, good love relationship, emotional maturity comes right after emotional regulation. So red flag number one, the road rage, which deals with emotional regulation, which is a requirement. Red flag number two, shit-talking an ex deals with emotional maturity, which is a requirement. If you're talking to a guy and he is just constantly beaking off and criticizing or throwing jabs or making comments, who's to say that he's not doing that about you? Who's to say that if something were to happen and you were to break up that you're not going to be the crazy bitch ex? It's always so interesting how women are always crazy. Sure, there are some women who are not emotionally regulated or emotionally mature and mistreat men. It happens all the time. It's a huge issue. Women need to do a lot of work as well. However, do you really want to be with the person who is so disrespectful because he was not able to handle and close a partnership. It says a lot about the ability to hold and handle relating to another human being. Because even if in this imaginary example, this guy was dragged by this ex or his ex cheated or did, did him wrong, there's, there's a way to communicate that without completely degrading another life. It's not cute. It's, it's kind of gross. And quite frankly, the men that I've talked to in the years of doing this work have said to me that one of the biggest turnoffs that they've encountered when starting to date a woman is they are either hung up on their ex or they talk shit about him. It's indicative of your character. Grown men, quality men, want a woman with character. They want sophistication. They want a class act. 
So running your mouth about your ex is not attractive to quality men. And because you're a quality woman, because you're obviously listening to this and you follow me, so of course you are, you don't want the guy who literally is acting like a baby. I remember a client once said that her ex would badmouth the baby mama to their kids. It is the height of selfishness. It is literally an adult tantrum to pull someone down, to degrade someone else just so that your ego can feel better is indicative of, of a childish, immature nature. So that, that guy ain't it. That's not the guy. You don't want the guy who's running his mouth about the ex. Which brings me to red flag number three. Ah, the good old-fashioned inconsistent guy. Let's talk about inconsistency here. There is a torturous time in early dating where you are more than talking but less than exclusive and that is that little game where you have to play cool and you have to just chill and you got to just let things unfold. It can be very torturous. We've all been there. But what makes it even worse is when you have a guy who is in and out, hot and cold, and just plain inconsistent. So this really typically looks like he will message you when he's not got nothing else going on. He's reluctant to make concrete plans. He will be very chatty for a little bit and then kind of MIA for a few days. You know the type. They kind of keep you a little bit on ice, but the time together is great. You're not quite sure what's going on. You might be confused. Let me break this down for you. I, you know what? I think I should do a whole episode on being confused in the early stages of dating. Hmm. Food for thought. Let me know. Let me know in Instagram. DM me and let me know if you want me to do an episode completely on how to deal with confusing relationships. Anyways, inconsistent guys. I feel like personally, this is very obvious. But when you are in the throes of dating and you are catching feelings for somebody, it's really tricky to step away from the inconsistency trap. That's why you got to notice it right away. Because I can tell you that what are we? We've been hanging out for four months and I don't know what's going on. Isn't, doesn't feel good just doesn't feel good at all. Women feel the worst in dating when they feel like they're completely powerless and their mood and day and plans are completely in someone else's hands. We don't want to be doing that. That tends to happen in quote-unquote confusing, inconsistent partnerships. The number one indicator of the guy who is dipping his toe in the pool that is you is your interactions will be vague. It's usually not super deep. It's usually not concrete. You're usually left feeling like nothing was actually said. 
So one of the best examples ever of this guy is Justin Bobby from The Hills. So this guy, and honestly, if you haven't watched The Hills, please do, please do. Oh my goodness. But he's the classic. I like you, but I've got stuff going on. Or, you know, I'm really into you, but it's not the right time. Or the classic, you're too good for me. You deserve better. But yet they'll message you and act like you're still dating or they won't make plans at all. And then on Friday night, you get a text. Very sneaky. These men who do this typically are attractive, charismatic. I'm not saying they're bad guys, but they, they likely know that they have their, their choice, their lay of the land. And this is where the truth bomb comes in, ladies, is that I think you know too, because most women who have the boundaries and self-respect and esteem to take themselves out of the game, to leave the party early, they don't tolerate shit they don't like. And a lot of women do this because it's the it's new and it's the beginning and they don't want to scare anybody off and they kind of want to play along and play the game. But what ends up happening is that the the guy goes, okay, cool. Like, it's on my terms. Awesome. It's the best of both worlds. So he can decide, oh, I guess I'll, I'll text Susie today. I got nothing else going on. Do you know how many women have sat at home trying so hard to not look at their phone. Yet the guy that they're pining over is literally like playing video games in his boxers, not thinking about anything. And then we'll like look at his phone and go, oh yeah, like, I mean, I could like have sex later. This happens all the time, ladies. I want you to be really careful. Think about it. When you are interacting with a man and it's new, is he asking questions about you? Is he planning dates? Has he mentioned places? If he's shy and awkward, has he said things like, now that the world's opening up, I really want to try this place. Or, you know, it's been so long since I've had a beer on the patio. Are you listening for actions, intentions, plans, follow through? That's the antidote to the inconsistency. Whereas if you are talking with a guy and it's Thursday night and you're having an anxiety attack because you want to have plans on the weekend, that doesn't feel good. That's, that's not a good indicator. It says that you are likely wanting badly for this person to like you, pick you, fall for you, take you, that you're willing to kind of twiddle your thumbs, right? Tough pill to swallow, but I've been there. I can't tell you how many times I had to hide my phone or distract myself and then get really sad because I didn't hear from the person I was into. Like, it sucks. So how do you solve this problem? You very early on look for patterns. Does he do what he says he's going to do? If he says, I will text you after I'm done work, does he text you after he's done work? If he mentions, oh, hey, there's this new spot I want to check out. Are you guys checking it out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
I know that in the beginning, it can be so hard to navigate how to handle something new when you're not in a relationship where you guys have talked about each other and it's clear, but you can have the type of interactions that you want, like you get to decide. So if you are talking to someone and they're wishy-washy, it's now your choice to go, okay, I'm I'm recognizing that they're wishy-washy and being inconsistent. So the real question is like, why am I okay with this? Why is it fine for me to spin out and have anxiety and overanalyze? And then the second that I get the response that I want, I'm feeling happy again. The reason why this is such a red flag, I mean, aside from the obvious self-torture vibes that we are over, no more torture vibes. The reason why this is such a shitty thing to happen is because it's really just indicative of his priorities. And if you look back to red flag number one, we talk about emotional regulation required. Red flag number two deals with emotional maturity required. And red flag number three deals with the priority. If you are not his priority, if a relationship, if a connection, if he's not prioritizing that, it will show through his in and out behavior. So Do you want someone who is not prioritizing you? Do you want someone who isn't in the headspace for what you want? Because so many women settle for, I'll take what I can get. It's better than nothing because they don't want to be single. But what ends up happening is that they play this game for eight months get really pissed because they've put in the time hoping that he'll eventually come around. And when the guy kind of goes, but hey, like you've been fine with this all this time. What the hell? Like this doesn't make any sense. I thought you were cool with this because you pick up the phone, you come to my house, we continue to do what we do. Even though you, the woman, are seething inside and annoyed, but you don't want to mess it up. Because eventually he'll go, wow, I've, I've loved spending all this time with you. Let's make it official. You know what I'm saying, ladies? I see you. So I want to close out the episode by talking about like why we actually ignore them. Because I think that it's safe to say that those of you who have a brain <laughs> notices the heavy shit right? Those of you that are intelligent, you, you obviously can easily tell, hmm, this character is shady or, hmm, I feel good around this person, right? So why is it that intelligent women are dealing with romantic bullshit? (laughs) Tell me why. Oftentimes we let the little things go or we will justify them or explain them away. It's so interesting when women explain away male behavior that the male doesn't see a problem with. It's so interesting. And so I think that a lot of the times we overlook little nudges or intuitive feelings or things we've witnessed because we think, well, It won't always be like this, or it'll go away eventually, or I know how to change that. I know how to fix that. 
If he spends enough time with me, he will rise to my calibration. What else? There are so many because it's so much harder to say, shit, I've been dating someone for two months and I just noticed a character flaw that I can't really deal with. So instead we go, oh, he's having a bad day and then try and flood our brain with all the good stuff. We try and remember, oh, well, he was chivalrous. Oh yeah, well, he was romantic. Oh yeah, well, he did this. When really the reality is, I don't wanna start over. I don't wanna be 36 and single. I don't wanna be the only one not married. So let's just move through this guy. Let's just ignore it and carry on. And that's of course your choice. And there are always examples of people that have you know, grown up together or were young couples and got their shit together and are still together to this day. Like, it's not to say that you need to meet a perfect person who is free of bullshit, who is completely polished and has it all together. No, because that's never going to happen. But it's about the little indicators that someone is not competent to be in a partnership with you. It's easier to do this when you think you are the baddest bitch in the room, when you really feel like you have so much to offer and you're such a catch and you're going to make someone, someone's day one day, like we're going to be in awe of you. If you really, really get that and believe that, you just don't tolerate things you don't like. And I'm not talking about personal preferences. I'm not talking about how you may not like that someone leaves the toilet seat up or that someone has a habit that you don't have. I'm talking about things that you personally couldn't imagine living with. And if you've never thought about that, then I would really encourage you to sit down and go, okay, what type of behavior am I totally turned off by? A lot of the times we're not thinking about the end game of a long-term relationship. So when I look at couples and when I work with people, I'm, I'm like, okay, what's your goal? Do you want to be that couple who's 70 years old, sitting on the porch, sipping lemonade, holding hands? Like, is that what you want? Because if, if that's what you want, then we got to work backwards. So how are you going to have this healthy, foundational, connected friendship, relationship, like how is that going to last for decades and decades and decades if you're already feeling really uncomfortable four months in? It's likely not. And we so often ignore that because we just want a boyfriend. I just want to get married. Where is he? Instead of going, hmm, if I'm thinking about the wife that I want to be, If I'm thinking about 50 years into the future, then I better make sure that it's with someone that I like being around and it better be with someone that is able to be around me. I think that it's so critical in relationships to really get honest about things that you don't really like. The body will tell you. If you're not sure intellectually, then the body will tell you. Think about the last time you were on a date and you were uncomfortable and then break down the behavior. What was it? What was it about that that made your body respond 
with signals of discomfort because that's your answer. And once you can solidify and anchor in and promise to yourself and make that commitment that you will no longer self-sacrifice, your dating life is just going to get so good. I hope you liked today's episode. I always love doing these talks for you. I would love if you could leave a five-star review or some kind notes. If you know someone who would benefit from hearing this podcast or being in my world, please let them know. And if you want more information on how to work with me, how to find me, all that good stuff, everything is listed down below in the show notes. It was such an honor to have this conversation with you. Thank you for listening. Until next week, this was so good. All right, lovebirds, there you have it. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that little pocket of time we spent together. It means the world to me. If this episode landed, if you felt like you got some mic drops, I'd love to know in the comments. Feel free to leave a five-star review as well. That always feels good. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, send her my way. Today's episode was so good, and I'll see you next time. I'm living that high life.